Welcome to Season 2 from A Lancashire Lass with me, Lucy Baxter. So today I'm in New Longton with Ryan Hayes, the owner of Chain House Brewing Company. We're going to be talking about sort of the business, what Ryan brews, a bit about beer. I'm such a beer novice, so I have no idea. So it'll be interesting to learn stuff myself. So how are you doing today? Are you okay? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. No, it's all right. And again, it's 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 so hidden away here in New Longton, like you wouldn't think there was a brewery here. Um, so why did you decide to start making beer? Um, it started from home brewing probably around nine, ten years ago. Just decided to start, yeah, making beer, watching YouTube videos and uh, made a few small batches of beer and then from then got a bit addicted to brewing and yeah, just took it from there. And is it something you'd always wanted to do or was it like, it obviously you've been doing it a while so it wasn't like a lockdown project but was it something you were bored and sort of did or was it a plan? Uh, I think it, yeah like my dad used to work at a brewery so I'd been I'd seen from a young age sort of like a brewery and home brewing I thought it was fascinating you know being able to make your own beer so yeah when uh, yeah I think it was about 20 so yeah 10 years ago I thought, you know what, I'm I'm old enough to drink it. Why can't I make some? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just a yeah, it was a boredom thing one day, and uh, it was yeah, found it dead interesting, and then it just uh, evolved from there. So, what was your sort of first batch like? Was it was it pretty gross, or was it? We did you hit like the right one the Whoa. first time? <laughs> yeah, the first batch I did was one of these kits, sort right. of like syrup kits. So it was pretty basic, but I had done some research beforehand, so. Bought some extra hops to add extra hops in there because um, that's when I started drinking. It's got into like the American wave of craft beer that were just coming over at the time. So I wanted to sort of copy that because I really like that style of beer. So yeah, I added an extra few hops to uh, to the batch and it was all right from what I can remember. It was <laughs> it was definitely drinkable. Yeah. But... And so we're in your garage, your brewery room what? uh that back then i lived in a house with some friends in preston so it was just in the kitchen on the stove top sort of thing boiling it away and then put the fermenter in the air and covered upstairs <laughs> and just left it bubbling away yeah and from there you've you moved here or sort of why don't you talk me through sort of where we're sitting today what what it is yeah so yeah from there um so that's where i sort of started my my brewing that was my first house since moving out of my parents' house. So yeah, it was sort of something I looked at while I was at my parents' house and moved um, into in with my friends. And that's where I started brewing, actually doing it because it's my own space. I could, you know, just free do what I want sort yeah. of thing. Uh, so then after that house, I moved back in with my parents for a short period of time just to save up a little bit more money uh, while I was looking to buy my own place and then moved into where we are here. Um, after moving in, I was just brewing in the kitchen. This garage where I was sat didn't exist. So I was brewing in the, in the kitchen at the time. And from there, I decided to build sort of a, quite a big garage. The front half was gonna be just a garage and the back half where we sat is sort of my little bar room and brewing corner, if you will. Yeah. Um, you can see the smaller 30 litre tanks. Um, 
which yeah that's what i did move on to brew on for quite a few years it was like a 30 liter all grain so it was you had to mix your own grain you can make what you want it was all your own mixture of hops and stuff um so yeah started on that and then around when would it have been 2017 i think i set up a chain house brewing company as an actual business so i was still brewing on the small kit filling up these little uh, 20 litre size kegs mm. and selling those to pubs and uh, bars around Preston. Um, and shortly after, I put a deposit down on the big kit that's now in the front of the garage and emptied my garage with all the bike from all the bikes and whatever was in there. And that's now the current brewery, so and yeah. why the name Chain House Brewing Company? Like, what was that thought process when you were thinking of like, the name of your your business yeah um it was a tough one the name it was always i used to live on chain house lane so that's where the chain house comes from as for naming back when i was home brewing i sort of started the idea of home brewing when i lived at my mum and dad's then started brewing in the house in preston i just nicknamed the home brews a chain house brewing company it just i don't know why i can't just really stuck. remember yeah it just stuck and then I did a little sketch of the logo and it sort of worked. Yeah. And the uh, the cross the cross thing is actually uh, it's a, a reference of an actual like hardcore music. They the a lot of bands use like the cross as like a I don't know. It's quite a popular logo now having a cross with letters. But I took it from um, Frank Turner, the artist. He has he has his logo as a F Frank Turner hardcore. So it was a bit of a play on that as well. Yeah. So that's where that came from and yeah it worked well with my idea of my logo I think that was the main thing. So if you take me back to when you were younger let's say like of alcohol drinking age did have you always sort of had a particular interest in beer and that's been your not just your oh I'll go for a pint but you've really enjoyed and been quite specific about it or? Um, obviously I only started drinking 18 years old yeah. so <laughs> no I'd say it was probably around when I was 18 um the american influence of craft beer started coming over so you i started seeing sort of sierra nevada pale ale that you still see now um classic pale ale and, and a few other sort of microbreweries popping up in the uk uh thwaites had a spin-off called crafty dan that did 13 guns and that used to be on in the uh, local sports and social clubs so yeah, this sort of a hop forward style of beer really it was something completely different. So was, that started me thinking, that started getting in me into this sort of style of beer. So I predominantly make this American style pale ale because that's sort of what got me hooked on the whole craft beer yeah. thing in the first place. Yeah. What did you have, like, what hoops did you have to jump through to get it? You know, like you mentioned, you sell it, you sold it to like local pubs and places in Preston, like for it to be. I don't know, like legally yeah, able to sell it. I well, bet that'd be quite difficult. It was an odd one because at the time, um, I mean, this is going back four, four or five years um, when I was looking into it, I found a blog from a guy, I think he was from Scotland, and he had a blog on how to set up your own brewery. I think he, he did it in his bedroom, from his bedroom, so he, he sort of licensed his bedroom as a brewery, if you will. Mm. Um, so he had a blog on how to do it. It's slightly different because it was Scotland, but... Yeah, I sort of got in touch with uh, HMRC, that's the main thing really, and yeah, set up as an, I had to set up as a, um, a company mm. for starters, have a business account, and then you need something called an AWRS number, which is an alcohol wholesale 
uh, number so mm. I can sell legally to pubs and bars so um, yeah once I got all this it sort of get, got real and I thought oh wow it didn't really cost too much it was just a lot of like yeah jumping through hoops had a meeting with HMRC and then yeah I've never owned a business before and then it was all of a sudden like oh I've got tax returns to do yeah. and things like that. So when you decided you'd, and you'd, you'd made the kits and you'd, you'd sort of developed has the flavour kind of been consistent or have you tweaked it and like obviously you had that American influence that was that's kind of your brand yeah yeah if you will so yeah it's it's still I still go for that style it used to be a lot more bitter than um the beers I sort of brew now but that's still from the hops you get the hop bitterness and then what like, I'm gonna stop what does that mean so hops? like I don't know what that means and so, yeah like everyone will be face farming <laughs> like, but... no it's a good question it's basically <laughs> um you start out with water and malted barley which are in the bags behind you actually um mm-hmm. mix that mix the malted barley with hot water and you extract the sugars out of the barley so then you get a, like a, a sugary liquid if you will um you then boil this up and during the boil you can add hops which are um either flowers or pellets of they're actually just a weed sort of thing a plant um mm-hmm. that have uh, acids in them so you get a bit of bitterness depending on when you add it to the boil or later on in the boil you'll get more flavors so you get really nice depending on what hops there's hundreds of varieties you can get some citrus flavors and aromas from it so it's all about when you add it into the boil or you can then once you've finished boiling you then transfer it into your fermenter where you cool it in cool it down and add your yeast which then ferments it that's where you get your alcohol from mm-hmm. And you can add more hops in the fermenter, which is called dry hopping, where you get more of the actual flavours and aromas from the hops and not the um, acidic sort of bitterness from the hops. So, yeah, um, things like, yeah, basically trying a beer is the best way, a hoppy beer yeah. is the best way to explain it while you're drinking it sort of thing. So, yeah, I, it, it, like you said, I started with this American influence and I've, I've stuck with it, but my recipes have evolved so much on when to add different ingredients water's a big key um ingredient obviously it's mainly water so yeah yeah, i can sort of tweak your water profiles to get different um mouth feels if you will so yeah so what kind of what water do you use obviously yeah it's basically i just use tap water yeah Yeah. so um i've no fancy springs or anything it's (laughs) a spring of new life yeah um (laughs) but yeah i um just use your basic tap water leave it for a few days to let the chlorine evaporate and get rid of any really nasty stuff Uh, and then i have some um water salts that i can add into the water like into the water so um add some calcium and different chemicals can add different um either dry your beer out more or make it a more fuller bodied beer in your mouth so you get more mouth feel so yeah all these different tweaks you yeah. can do this is why it's sort of taken me on the path it has you start with making a beer and then you're like oh if i change this what's it going to do if i change this and yeah from from there you just get yeah. sort of really involved <laughs> so is this being just trial and error kind of or have you sort of I don't know been on a course or gone into more detail on on that because you're very like knowledgeable about um it. i've done a lot of reading internet books there's if you can see there's i've got stacks of books oh, yeah. there somewhere uh there's loads of forums um i've brewed uh with another few breweries done collaborations where you can ask questions they 
you learn from them, the way they do things might not be the same as you do them and vice versa. So done quite a few collaborations with other breweries and learnt from people that way as well. So yeah. But I'd say mainly um mainly reading and YouTube. YouTube's good. Yeah. So do you make just the one in front of us? Is it just a one flavour? No. No, so um I predominantly make pale ales, so there are be different uh, hop combinations, different percentages, uh, some less bitter, some more bitter, some double IPAs, which are like 8% similar, but double the strength, if mm. you will. Uh, I've also made some sour beers and darker beers as well, but tend to focus on the pale ales. It's what I like to drink, so. I saw that, because um, I looked on your website, that they're vegan friendly. Yep. So, you know, aren't all beers feet like how how does that work um so some some breweries use finings which will clear the beer out um some of these are products from animals so hence they're not vegan yeah. uh lactose is also used in some beers to give sweeten the beer a little bit so that again is derived from milk so yeah um but yeah i'm a vegetarian myself so all my beers have always been vegetarian yeah. slash vegan friendly so so that's what I stuck with. When you started making them, with when you were sort of drinking them yourself, did you, and again, I kind of read this briefly, but you were kind of making too much, so you had to sort of give it away and then <laughs> yeah. start to sell it kind of in that way. Because I guess, like, this is, like, a lot if you're not going to sell it. Like. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. So I was making, like I said, 25-litre batches of beer, so you'd get maybe 50 bottles, 5,500 mil bottles of wow. beer. So 50 bottles of beer is quite a lot. Um, and yeah, it was, I enjoy making it more than then drinking it. I mean, I like the end product to see what it come out like, mm -hmm. but then I was exci more excited for that, not for the actual taste of being able to drink the beer, but to be able to go, right, what can I do to make that make better? better? So you're sort of forever chasing this, uh, yeah. this ideal. So talk me through the process of how you make it and and how long it like how long does it take from being like in I don't know this being in the bag here to the side of me to this can here. So uh, yeah, like I said, it's you. I've got a tank of water that I heat up to a certain temperature. Um, pump the hot water into the mash tun to um, mix with the grain to get extract the sugars. Um, that takes about an hour in the mash. Then you transfer it from that into the kettle. The whole time while you're draining the sugary water, it's sort of like a milled bottom. So the grain stays in the in the tank. You get the sugary liquids draining off the bottom. Mm. Um, you can then rinse the grains to get all the extra sugars off there into your kettle. You boil for, I boil for an hour mainly. So boil for an hour. That's where you can add some of your hops to get your bitterness or your aromas. Um, after an hour's boil, you transfer into a fermenter. Uh, while going through a heat exchanger to cool it down. Mm -hmm. I use cold water through the heat exchanger to cool the beer down and that gives me hot water so I then collect that in the water tank so it recycles That's it. That's so clever. Ready to then use to either clean or for my next batch of beer. So there's not much wasted water in, in the process. Yeah. I then pitch the yeast after the brewing. So brew day is about six to eight hours depending on the size and if it all goes to plan. Uh, from being in the fermenter, it then take uh, about five or six days to actually ferment into alcohol. 
I then tend to dry hop a lot of my beers, so I, that means adding hops into the tank uh, once it's finished fermenting to get a lot more of like these tropical fruity aromas and flavours from the hops I like to use. Um, they, they stay in contact with the beer for five days or so. Then has a, the, the fermenter has a jacket with um, a pipe around it, if you will, so I can then pump cold water around that. That would then drop all the hops to the bottom, mm -hmm. clear all the sediment and hops out, and then I'm left with the actual final product in the tank. And then I can carbonate it up in the tank and then either can it or keg it. So it's so, still up until you carbonate it? Yeah, so it's just yeah, it's just flat. a flat, sugary liquid, yeah, pretty much. It's yeah. uh, it's a bit different, but... And then when it when you choose like the percentage of alcohol you put in it, what and again this might be a, a daft question but what's like the most common percentage in a beer or in like a pale ale like that is it 4.5 yeah it, it, so depending on how much malt you use and how much sugar you get out that that determines your strength of beer generally so i can design a recipe if i want to go for a five percent beer i know exactly which how much to how much grain to put in and how much liquid to put in to get me that. So um, it all depends really. I, I personally now like to drink sort of four to five percent pales at pale ales, but um, in the craft beer scene, there's like a lot of drinkers that like these double IPAs, like like I said, they're 8% and the big, mm. big juicy hoppy beers, which are tasty, I do like, but I prefer something that's a bit more sessionable that you can have um, a Se few of. Yeah. Sessionable. Sessionable beer, like yeah. If you were to sort of compare yours to one similar in the market that's potentially sort of more well-known, what would it kind of be like? Obviously, it's unique, but yeah. what kind of is it like? Um, I mean, in, the, in, the, in this country, I'd say at the moment, I think most people have heard of Brewdog. Yeah, um, yeah. So Brewdog make all sorts of styles and um, different sort of beers, so... Back when I started, Brewdog were, were making waves, so I did follow Brewdog quite closely at the time. And um, so I'd say Brewdog's probably the most famous in the country. Uh, in the northwest, there's a brewery called Cloudwater from Manchester, so mm -hmm. uh, they're quite a popular one. They've been in Tesco recently, um, but they are withdrawing from Tesco because they want to keep independent rather than going yeah. into super. So super should we market. should we open it and yeah, you can talk me through Absolutely. the flavour in that. So this is, like you said, a four and a half percent pale ale. I did, I brewed as a collaboration with some friends that have a record company. So um, we made it as a beer that you would be able to sort of drink while watching your favourite band live. So a bit of, again, a sessionable beer. Inspiration yeah. behind it. So this has got Citra, Simcoe and Enigma hops. Mm -hmm. So you get quite... Citra is a citrusy sort of a hop. Um, Simcoe, a bit more of your, a, a pininess maybe, mm -hmm. resinous. And then Enigma is from Australia, so you get a lot of like tropical fruits from it. Um, so yeah, if you take a smell, you, it smells probably different to the usual like. It smells very, yeah, like citrusy. Yeah. You can smell the citrus in like. Like you said, like a bit piney. Yeah, so yeah, again, like the type of hops you use sort of some complement each other and the, that's where you get your aromas from. And then if you have a taste of it, you you notice it's not like a lager, it's got a lot more going on in there. That's really nice, actually. 
I'm not so. surprised, but I mean, <laughs> because I don't drink beer, but yeah. yeah so it's it's not too bitter. It's It's got a bit of an, a juiciness to it, really. So yeah. slightly sweeter, but again, there's a, yeah, there's, if you call it a pale ale, there's a million ways you can make yeah. a pale ale, but yeah, quite. Very drinkable. A, yeah, that's that was the idea behind <laughs> it. So, uh, yeah, we were jokingly, well, jokingly being serious, said let's make a beer that you'd want to be able to watch a gig and drink a couple of pints of, not something yeah. that you could just have one of and go right. I've, I'm sick of this now. So it feels quite light. Mm. Like it doesn't feel heavy, and it, like there's not what what's it called? Like the head on the top. Yeah, it's not, it's not overly carved as well. Yeah. That's the like the carbonation as well plays a, a big role. So we went for lower carbonation so you don't get all gassy and Yeah, I was gonna ask in terms of beer drinking, it does seem a predominantly male drink, but would you say it's kinda changing now? Like I think more younger girls do have a pint or what would yeah, you absolutely, say? Absolutely, yeah. So interesting this actually. So um my girlfriend Emily, when we met, didn't. Well, she 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 said she didn't like beer, and I called her a liar because she just not tried the right beer. Yeah, no, um, I would say that's very true. Yeah. So and uh, since then, there's been a lot more of the craft beer bars opened up, and Emily and her friends actually run um, a beer girls group. Mm-hmm. So it's called Preston Beer Girls. Uh, they started it as a as a group of girls that like drinking beer so they have a meeting every month or so at a, a local craft beer place so um yeah that again it's definitely that's growing popular i think they've had i don't know how many meetings they've had but there must be well over 200 different girls and women that have actually yeah. gone along to these so definitely definitely changing and mm. same in the actual working in the industry as well i've seen a lot more women working yeah. as a brewer and yeah, it's nice to see. It's kind of, obviously, when the the trend of gin and all the different gins came about, that was, I don't know, maybe 10, 15 years ago. Um, and there's a lot of places that do those gins. But then I, I do, and I have noticed, there are more of these independent kind of smaller, are they nano breweries, kind of smaller breweries? Yeah, so that's what micro I class brewery, those. Yeah, yeah microbrewery, nano brewery. So, yeah, yeah, and they're more kind of taken over especially like in independent pubs and places it's better to have like your local beer than i don't know your lagers that are from other places in the world yeah. possibly so where where do you stock then um so i predominantly around preston so there's quite a few pubs and bars around preston now um sort of plug and taps uh winkley street ale house uh the orchard plow bar i mean there's loads now in preston yeah a um, couple of new places in Penn with them, the 1260 Craft and Crust yeah. um, pizza place. And I've, yeah, I've got, I've got an, um, an availability list to send out. I think I've got over 60 bars and pubs around the country on that, actually. So it isn't just around Preston. I can, yeah, send the kegs. I use, um, I use these recyclable plastic kegs, so I can send them anywhere in the country. I don't have to have them returned to me. They go off to be recycled once they've used. So it means it saves on me having to collect and cuts down emissions mm. on collecting and stuff. And like you said, bringing it back to like places being local, um, 
I think it's great on all levels, even to like, for me, it's easy for me to then deliver to Preston, cuts down the emissions on delivering and sending beer all over the world. Like, don't get me wrong, there are a lot of American beers still coming over here, more mm. than ever probably, but it's nice to see more local breweries producing good drinkable beer so you don't have to look for the American sort of beers. You yeah. can have them on your doorstep. The environment feels like it's very much important to you in how you make your beer is that something that's always been within the company or is that something that as it's kind of been more discussed that you've thought about um i've always like i said i've been vegetarian for 16 years now i think so longer than i've been brewing beer so it's mm -hmm. always that's that side of things has always been been important to me um i use I send my spent grain off to feed animals um sheep or a dairy farm take it or even just a local uh, chicken farmer um yeah so yeah that you know reuse as much as possible and cut cut down on waste again these kegs are recyclable so yeah keen on that but i'd say more so in the, in the more recent years yeah the, and there's more availability for like i say recycling and things like that where it used to be buy a metal keg and you have mm. to clean it with chemicals chuck the chemicals down the drain so it doubles up as a cost factor as well for me because i'm not a big brewery i can't afford to buy all these metal kegs just driving them up and down the country cleaning them with all these chemicals and yeah it sort of balances out you know having a being able to think about the environment and affordability as well so what if you talk to me like about the packaging and like this one and its name. So again, like, so how many different ones have you got, and how how did you sort of create the packaging? Um, so I mean, I go on to this. This there's a there's an app called Untapped where people can check your beers in and rate your beers. I've and heard things. of this. Yeah. Um, I hate it. It's the worst app in the world oh. because you end up looking at it and you get one bad review. And uh, no, it's it's good. It's it's good to get good and bad feedback so you know how to improve. But I have 67 different beers. Wow. On, uh, on the app, on so the that's day, yeah. that's pretty much sixty-seven different beers I've probably made available to the public. Wow! So it's, yeah, quite a few beers there. Um, some of some of which I brewed more than once, but majority of beers I do I do like to experiment. So I do one-off batches and then yeah. you know make something new. Uh, this is a slightly different like uh, design. So like I said, this was a collaboration. So the guys from the record company did the can design. DIY um, or die. That is so they're a, they're a punk, um, predominantly punk uh, in the punk scene. So they wanted it to be independent and it's like do it yourself mm. attitude. So that's why they like to work with me because again I make it here locally on my own. Yeah. Um, so they're the same. They've got a record company. They just self funded. And um, where are they based? They're in Manchester. So. Um, yeah, they, and then they put a little QR code on to download some songs from. Uh, That's some, such a good yeah, idea. So it's yeah, like I say, something completely different. It's not something um, I've done before this, so it went down really well. Um, I tend to use uh, a lot of photographs for my beers. Okay. So either my own photos or my brother's a good photographer or, and a friend of mine called Chris's as well. So I do tend to use sort of photos in my yeah. beer images and other cans 
think there's some labels on the side there. Yeah. So. Um, but yeah, I like to yeah. It's, again, keep it all in house. I don't, don't, I can't really afford to pay anyone to do the designing and the branding. So uh, I get my girlfriend Emily to do <laughs> my can labels and things, or these guys did these, this label for me, the uh, TNS Records guys. Yeah, it it's it seems something sort of like you, there's just you here, like it's it's just you. So it's it's kind of very independent like you were saying what's the pitch system like when you have to like go to pubs and that do you sort of i'm like thinking of the apprentice like do you, <laughs> do you go around with like a bottle and or a can and be like have a taste or how does that work um well fortunately i've never actually had to go and do it. yeah i've never it sells itself it's actually it's so very it's very drinkable like Thanks. i'm just you're chatting and i'm just drinking it she is. Uh, yeah no i've been quite lucky when i first set up as a as a brewery i used to go to um well, i still do go to the moorbrook pub in preston that was like one of the first places that were taking craft beer and rich who runs that um i said to him i've got you know i've got a, i've set up a brewery i brew my own beer and he said all right yeah he says he trusted me because he knows i like to drink beer so and i could drink a, i used to go and drink a lot of beer there so he, he's saying he said to me if you think you can if you like it enough to sell it to me i trust you enough to put it on the bar so i didn't have to give him a taste or anything mm. and then yeah from then on um again plug and taps opened when that opened i was talking to the guys that ran that i said oh by the way i, I do i drink i drank in there a lot as well by the way i make my own beer and i think they might have heard of it already so they went yeah we'll stick it on definitely so um then it's sort of over the last four years just organically grown to like people hear about it still today i got another message from two new two other bars that i've not sold to before asking if they could get hold of my beers and yeah over 60 different places on my availability list with probably more that i've forgotten to add when they've told me it's you know in passing yeah. sort of thing yeah. so. so have you any plans to kind of open your own bar to sell this or even like people to come and sort of have a tour see how it's made is there any sort of yeah plan for that? well last year i actually did run a crowdfunder um so i've got in the pipeline a premises in preston to hopefully move the brewery into mm. and open a little tap room next to it yeah. so people can come and drink the beer from where the brewery is also located so i can move out of this garage and get a little bit not much more space um but a little bit more space and yeah bar and seating area upstairs and downstairs to to drink in so that's been on the cards well i started talking about this about a year ago mm -hmm. ran the crowdfunder and there's been delays with the premises but it's slowly moving forward so i'm hoping to be in there and have it open for summer this year yeah so that would be good do you feel like then obviously because you said this isn't your full-time job do you think it would sort of move into something that you would yeah well have? like it's hard isn't it because yeah. would you open up like every night or would it be just occasions or again i don't know with um and then you could you could like hire you know you could have it just like a little group could come and hire it out and have like a, you know parties yeah, and stuff yeah. like that that's it i've i've um i've got a um a plan to have so my friend Callie and um, the one of the girls who runs Press and Beer Girls with Emily 
she works at Plug and Tap. She's got a lot of experience in bars and bar managing. So the plan is to have her running the bar. I'm just stick with my brewing and mm. doing my beer thing. I don't work. Yeah. I don't work at a bar. I'm, I'm you not, don't want to be like in front. Yeah. yeah, I'm not front of house. I just I'll make the beer. So the plan <laughs> is to, yeah, I'll, I'll keep brewing. Try, I want to keep my job for as long as possible and just see how it goes. But I've always said I won't go full time brewing because it's a hobby and I enjoy it. Would it then carry on enjoying it as much? But I mean, I do enjoy it. I don't see. I think I would. I don't think I'd fall out with it if I turned it into a full-time job. No. Would you, or do you sell to, like, farm shops? Or do, would you want to sell to supermarkets? Or um, So I've always stuck with, I, I predominantly just keg, so the cans are a one-off thing. It's yeah. super time-consuming to fill each can up and see. Yeah, it. how long does that take? Uh, that takes a long time. So, I, yeah, kegging, I can keg eight well, one of my fermenters is eight kegs, one's, the others are 14. I can do that in an hour or two. Oh, wow. Canning took about, well, there was four of us. It took us about eight hours to do mm. 330 cans or something. Yeah. There was a bit of messing around in between it all. But, yeah, it's a time-consuming thing for me because we had to do it all by hand with no fancy canning machine here. So Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's, my, the aim is to just predominantly sell from the tap room so people can come and drink the beer fresh from the source and yeah um i've never really i've never like fantasized if you will to be massive and sell sell to supermarkets mm. i kind of like being this sort of low-key just doing what i like to do and yeah do you so you have you have a website and a shop but you, you sell like other things other than just your beer don't you with your logo on and stuff yeah so i've got a shop I d i'm not licensed to sell beer uh, from the premises so I can't sell directly to a customer from here so I would sell to a bar or a bottle shop if I had cans I recently with this one I licensed the premises for a week so they were available online for a week mm -hmm. um, but when I'm not licensed I only sell my merch which is t-shirts and uh, bottle openers and things like that which is just a bit of fun to sort of help fund everything else going and I on. I guess like promote and advertise yeah, as well. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, it's just a bit of fun getting getting a load of t-shirts printed with the, with the with the brewery on. People kind of like to represent a local brewery. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the, so obviously your future is sort of going to press and doing that. Are there any sort of flavourings or things that you've not, not tried that you'd want to try or anything or currently up your sleeve or in the, the like machines that are being made or um i do fancy it's a spatial thing but um there's a lot of breweries uh, like to barrel age things so that involves buying say a, a used whiskey barrel mm. and putting um putting a beer into a used whiskey barrel to flavor it with a bit of like the, the oak and the whiskey which i've always loved the idea of doing but again i've not had the space to do it so Something like that would be good if I had the space to do it, um, would, or a wine barrel or something like that. Yeah, would you ever branch out of beer and maybe try, I don't know, whiskey, other, make, other um, alcohol types, or is it kind of just beer? Just beer. I don't have anything, I don't have any way. I, there are ways of getting whiskey and things made from the beer that I make, but it would be nice to have my own branded sort of whiskey don't get me wrong but yeah I've never really thought about it yeah. in like the actual being able to get it done so what what's the vibe if 
people listening are kind of they've heard us try it mine is literally nearly finished but um what's kind of if you were to describe and i don't know like the company and sort of the ethos of the beers and that in like three words or something what kind of or what kind of atmosphere would people get you you know like yeah you you seem very chilled like kind of laid back kind of like you were saying about pop punk well punk um i don't know if that's your thing but what kind of i don't know something a bit different i i like yeah like the chilled a nice ambient really i don't know I really like, I mean, in here, if we get, get the, the main lights off and a nice dim light, I like a really cosy atmosphere. Yeah. And, and there's that like wooden, just, yeah. it's, it feels kind of like um, an alpine kind yeah, of vibe. Yeah, yeah. I want... kind of vibe. Or like a skateboarding vibe. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty much me. I <laughs> pop punk and skateboarding. That's pretty, yeah, sum me up. <laughs> but um, yeah, just something different. Nothing too swanky, just a nice chilled out place you know a bit of different i like all sorts of music as well so yeah thinking of maybe doing some music nights where you've yeah, got local like bands yeah and yeah stuff like that. i love live music so yeah. yeah so what what um is this what you do in your in your spare time as well or do you have like any other hobbies you enjoy you know if if like people want to know a bit more about like you and like the person behind this um yeah so i used to BMX and mountain bike. Um, I still do a bit of mountain biking. It's just the time thing again. Yeah. This has consumed my life for the last couple of years. So when I'm not at work, I'm pretty much in the garage. Um, I enjoy skiing as well. So yeah, music, I think music and extreme sports, less yeah. of the extreme sports now. I've hit 30, I'm, I'm a bit more, uh, yeah, a bit more, nervous if you will about yeah. doing anything stupid like that but yeah definitely live music's going to gigs going out and hanging out with mates really yeah i feel like obviously it's the winter olympics happening and obviously um dave riding's from tarleton um he was on the podcast last year but if he comes back with um, a medal you should you should get a picture of like promo of him holding like beer cans or something um yeah like it's like this i've, I've done a, quite a few collabs um but I've done I've done a lot with big breweries. I did one with um, Secret Meeting, which is a music zine from Preston. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had those guys over a couple of years back um, to promote a, the newest zine they were launching. And then I've done this with the uh, TNS Records guys. But yeah, I like the collaborating with something completely irrelevant to beer. Yeah. Uh, not irrelevant. I mean, uh, drinking and watching music is pretty hand in hand. But what I mean is like, yeah, not a brewery sort of like you say. It'd be cool to something to do with a, yeah. Yeah, and I think just the like obviously I not really a fan of beer, but like you said, never really tried the right type possibly. But do you are most the opinions of sort of beer drinkers and sort of lads that they like it your beer and. Yeah, it's uh, like I said, I mentioned Untapped. Um, I get a lot of good feedback, some negative feedback, but any feedback's like it's, it's it's hard not to get hung up on bad feedback, but it's a great learning point. And mm-hmm. yeah, um, but overall, it seems to go down well, and the beer does sell. So as long as it keeps that way, I'm happy. Yeah. So yeah. How hard did it be? to have i don't know down the line like workshops of people trying to make their own beer is that quite 
time consuming because obviously it would be a whole barrel or a whole keg that you'd make compared to just like a little glass or something yeah well it part of the crowdfunder so with the crowdfunder i did um sort of perks if you will for if you donate this much you get this and some of them were come down and brew your own beer yeah um, but it's definitely something i'd like to look at when i've had more time and space um because it doesn't really matter to me um have people come down and brew their own beer or brew our beer with me mm-hmm. it's free labor for me so <laughs> um, but no it's yeah it's good fun i like i like talking about it and yeah. like this you know getting questioned and yeah yeah it's uh it's definitely something i'd be into it's a process i didn't know anything about and i think obviously when you have wine you have a sommelier sommelier and like you just kind of you think of sort of world cup and everyone just down in the pints don't you? you don't <laughs> think about like smelling it and the aromas and like the hops and everything involved in it so if people want to sort of follow you or what you're doing um like, what are your socials and how how best can they... Is the best thing if they want to drink your beer to go to a pub that stocks it? Uh, yeah, definitely. I'd say the best thing to do is I post a lot on Instagram, a little bit on Facebook. Um, but the best way to see where my beer is available is on the Untapped app. Um, you can search via brewery on the app and it will tell you... Um, has a find it um section so you can see there there's a couple of places locally that are currently stocking it but yeah i'd say any of the craft places around preston will have it on at some point it just depends because they're only small batches obviously it's not it's not a permanent thing but yeah oh well it's been so interesting thanks for letting me come down to the to the brewery and having a a look at what goes on and having a a sample of it it was really tasty no problem at all thanks for coming down thanks for listening and we'll see you next week to keep up to date with all things from a lancashire lass Follow on Facebook and Instagram at From a Lancashire Lass. Don't forget to hit subscribe or follow so you can keep up to date with when each new episode is out.